Touchdown! Of course, the crowd wants Reed to go for it. Wouldn't be surprised if he did on fourth down and one. So, anyways, with that, time jerks. Welcome to Fourth and One. I'm Todd Palmer, joined by the incomparable Nick Jacobs, who was a year older than the last time we recorded a podcast. Yay, Nick Jacobs! I don't know what you're talking about. I don't have birthdays, Todd. They don't exist. I have no idea what you're talking about. I saw a post with a picture of you as a child and Lynn Dawson on Twitter that um, that directly contradicts your assertion that you don't have birthdays. Just because you posted, just because you're not even mentioning you're the one that posted that doesn't. Correct. I did. I did post it. Yeah. Like you're trying to act like, well, you're trying to act like it's somebody in the know and you're like, (laughs) I am in the know. I do know when your birthday is. I don't get invited to your birthday parties, but I do know when it when the date of your birth is i don't i don't believe you <laughs> do you want me to tell everybody <laughs> no don't because then should they, i let uh, ben neiman and dan Sorensen know when your birthday is to see if they will send you cards i doubt it i don't think they're i think they're busy worrying about their own little worlds i just you spoke into existence that ben neiman was going to get a roster spot somewhere there you go and arizona look at him Cardinals, go baby. he got one in arizona there you go. So hopefully Cardinals fans and Saints fans will be in your mention about what to expect from those guys. I, I hope I, not. I will encourage it. Um, is there, before I forget, is there anything you want to speak in existence this week? Um, well, we can wait till like season predictions. Um, oh, okay. I was hoping you're going to speak in existence. Uh, one of us could win the lottery, but apparently that's not on the table. I mean, I mean, so this is a true story. So I had a brother who passed away like 15 years ago. I was driving up to Iowa for, uh, I think it was a division two women's basketball tournament or something. Okay. And I became overwhelmed and consumed with this thought that, cause it was shortly after my brother had died that if I bought a lottery ticket, I would win. Right. So I, I stopped at a gas station to get gas. And I just said, I said, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to buy the lottery ticket. So I did. And I did win, but it was only $9. And it was at that point that I realized I need to be more specific um, when, you know, when I have those moments, because technically I did win. It was at the time a dollar ticket and I won like $9 on it. So technically I won the lottery. I just did not win the jackpot. So if you want to speak into existence that one of us wins the lottery, may I suggest you speak into existence that we win the lottery jackpot and not just like, you know, a $5 uh, prize. Well, see, here's the thing. Uh, one, that was actually one of your better stories. I'm proud of you because it was relevant <laughs> and didn't go off the rails. So I'm proud of you on that one. You're growing, Don't worry, I'll work. As, a, you're I'll, growing I'll, as a person, Doc. I'll work on it later in the It's podcast. not just you telling a random story that I'm like, where is this going? And actually, I, I thought that at the beginning. It was like, here we go again. I'm like, oh, this actually had relevance to it. Good job, Todd. I'm proud of you. Um, yeah, but I'm not the one who speaks of this stuff in existence. We right, know I'm right. the exact opposite. My job is to be the negative person so positive things happen. Which that's a that's a strange dynamic for me mm-hmm. to be the ray of sunshine, uh, you know, in in really any circumstance. So um, like you and I are the yin and yang to each other. Is what you're right. telling me. But normally my middle name is Nancy, um, as in negative Nancy. So okay, well, I fine. did not I did not get that nickname uh, from Buck O'Neill though. You want me to tell the Satchel Page story now? <laughs> you know, Todd, I, I feel like that's that's for another podcast on another day. People, right. people want to hear some Chiefs talk. Well, look look up Buck O'Neill and his, and why he called Satchel Page Nancy. Um, if you don't already know the story, um, but I digress, Nick. 
<laughs> okay, Todd. So, um, Chiefs, right? Uh, right. Chiefs wise. Weeks. Okay, so we're in like this dead period. Like everybody's yeah. out of town on vacation. You know, visiting. At least tropical we think they are. For all we know, they might not. They might. I hope they're visiting like tropical destinations. House. I don't know. Look, if I had NFL money, I I would uh, I would be uh, flitting around the globe and seeing cool places and doing cool things as well. So I hope that that's how they're spending their free time. Well, Todd, I mean, if you speak in existence, the whole winning the Powerball, uh, you know, full jackpot or however you're going to phrase it, you could be like you could be like them, too, Todd. It would be. Uh, yes. No. I and, and yeah. Would you get on a plane with me for that? Boy, that's a tough, tall ask <laughs> right there. It's a real tough ask, Todd. All right. Well, after I speak it into existence and it happens, we'll we'll test that uh, again. But uh, for this week on the podcast, um, you know, I mean, we're out. We're we're clear with the off season, right? I mean, we we've we've gone through OTAs, we've gone through mini camp. Um, you know, we've seen a little bit about uh, you know how this roster is going to shape up. So um, I figured this week we could go through and kind of look at the skill position players and maybe kind of forecast what we see as how the position groups are going to shape up and, and what some of those training camp battles might look like. Um, and today, uh, if you're not opposed to it, I thought we could start with the skill players um, on uh, on the Chiefs roster. If we want to start with quarterback, I really think 15 is going to make the roster. Um, I, I he, he, he looks like he could play quarterback in the NFL to me. And I know I'm not a professional scout, but I like what I see from 15. I didn't know we were doing quarterbacks today, Todd. I thought we were saving that for another. Yeah, we hadn't talked about it in the production meeting. <laughs> Way to go, Todd. You you would be great on ESPN. They, the producers put all this stuff together in their production meeting, and then Todd just sends a curveball to the left side, and ESPN that makes all those fancy graphics would be furious with you. Yeah, the, they're scrambling. The, like, the who's graphic, 15? <laughs> the, the graphic designer would have spent weeks on end or maybe a couple of days putting the, the the little neat things they do together. And then you just throw them a curveball and you're like, no, nope, we're going a different direction. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I got to do what I do. You know, I got to keep people on their toes. Well, Todd, I think it's been a pleasure for this hypothetical opportunity of you working at ESPN. <laughs> I expect the call any day. Um, no, but I mean, look, quarterback, we don't really need to spend much time on. I mean, Mahomes and Henny and then, um, you know, Bouchelle as, as the third quarterback option. They've got Denny Crum in as the fourth quarterback in camp. But, um, you know, I guess it's possible he could outduel Bouchelle. But I think the Chiefs were pretty comfortable with their setup um, at quarterback. But. Running back got a little bit more interesting when they brought Jarek McKinnon back. That's yep. you and I both, uh, you know, when we talked about free agent signings, who to, who to, you know, back in February, March, who to, who to keep, who to move on from both thought that they should bring back McKinnon. You know, once he got healthy and got worked into the offense, um, he looked really good late in the season and during the, during the postseason. So, um, you but know, when you did I say he would probably be back though? Right, right. Yeah. Before, yeah. After many mandatory mini camp. And ironically, he technically, I don't think he practiced either, did he? No, he, he signed like he, near the end. He did not practice. He did sign before <laughs> minicamp ended, but he was not out on the field uh, going through the paces during minicamp. But Jarek McKinnon's back. Look, I I think Clyde edwards helaire and Ronald Jones are locks to make the roster. Um, you know, and it'll be interesting to see with more targets available, how much more involved they get the running backs in the passing game this year. I mean, that was supposed to be a strength of Clyde Edwards-Hilaire coming out of LSU when they drafted him in the first round. 
Um, I liked it. I like having Rojo there. Um, you know, he's a bigger back, but he can, he checks all the boxes, you know, in terms of pass protection, being able to run between the tackles. I think he's an upgrade over Daryl Williams, um, in terms of that, that change of pace, bigger back. Um, and then I think, you know, I mean, Michael Burton's still there at fullback, right? So how do you see it shaping up? Cause you've got McKinnon, um, you know, you've got Isaiah Pacheco who they invested a draft pick in. You still got Derek Gore who, you know, fans, he's a fan favorite, right? Because he's, he's shined a couple of times when he's gotten opportunities, um, you know, late in games and stuff like that. Um, but how do you see it shaping out with Pacheco Gore and McKinnon? They're kind of battling for that running back three, three spot. Yeah. That's, that's where the intriguing battle is going to be whenever training camp rolls, rolls around was because like you said, Ronald Jones is going to be their power back. He'll take over the Daryl Williams role in terms of power run between the tackle style. He'll do more of that. Not as much pass catching. We'll see how much they, they force him to do pass catching in training camp where he's at from a pass protection perspective, because that'll decide how those two things will decide how often he's out there on pass downs versus just true rundown short yarded situation. Like the Garrett Blount was at times, whether it was in Tampa or new England, um, <clears throat> Clyde over to Lair is going to be more of your change of pace for the most part. You're you're curious to see how how much they work him in in the flats and screen passes and what he can do there and what style they're going to try to have him run or they're going to try to make him balance between zone and 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 you know and just normal just normal running or is he going to do zone reads? What's he going to end up doing in that regard? Um, how well he sees the hole this year is going to be a big one for him. Because this is kind of for Clyde, this is the year that kind of decides where his future goes. And, you know, I don't think he'll be out of the league after this year, but if he doesn't do well, I mean, Kansas City's got other options. They can go in different directions. They'll give him every opportunity as a first round pick, but like this is kind of the year that kind of decides for him how things are going to go in 2023, 2024. Right. And they've got an, they're going to have a decision to make at the end of the year as to whether to pull the trigger on his fifth year option right. um, and lock that in because as a first round pick, they, they do have that option for 2020. He's under contract through 2023, but they've got the option to trigger the fifth year option for 2024 by like what may 3rd or something like, or, yeah, I, I don't know what the yeah, date is for it's next after, year. But, it's after the draft and right. uh, a portion of may and maybe late early June. Where's that draft going to be by the way? Yes, I know it's going to be in Kansas City. <laughs> okay, I just want to remind people. Yeah, um, but then uh, with the other running backs, I mean, Derek Gore, he was kind of he was a lot of the change of pace. I mean, he he looked better in games than he did during training camp and preseason. There, um, I know he looked good against the threes, but he there was a couple games where he showed some promise there. He didn't necessarily have the top end speed, but his ability to find the cutback lanes was actually very impressive, and him to the way he attacked the hole was actually impressive as well. It was one of the better ones on the roster last year. So that Ronald Jones takes away some of those reps. You're not sure if Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is going to take away those reps. And then he's honestly, what Gore is going to be battling is what Pacheco can do and what uh, McKinnon already does in the offense is a known commodity because McKinnon and Clyde are going to get the same style of reps, the same style of running style. Like I said, Ronald Jones is in his own level. So at this point, it's kind of between Gore and Pacheco for what they're going to potentially end up doing 
uh, out there during training camp and preseason to really kind of prove which one belongs on the roster. And Gore's put together enough tape. I think he'd get another chance, another opportunity in the NFL somewhere if it doesn't work out in Kansas City. But the other thing and the other key factor, as always, is going to be injuries. Is there an injury that happens in training camp? Because all, all we just talked about is for not at that point. But it kind of gives you an idea in terms of what what they probably envision for each uh, each guy role wise. But the guys who are going to get more reps and get more opportunities are the guys who can either pass protect really well or work out of the backfield uh, really well at that point. And then obviously also they have uh, Fleet Davis as well, the running back. I mean, he would be kind of more of a practice squad type of player that maybe they see something there they would like to develop. But I, I personally, I don't think Pacheco is getting. I don't think he's getting uh, waived. I don't think he's getting put on the practice squad. I think the I think if he continues to do what he did in OTAs and mini camp, from what I've heard from people, and if he continues to rise like that in training camp, then I I have a sneaky suspicion he'll be the fourth running back on the roster. And the Chiefs typically do keep four running backs. And and the thing to watch with Pacheco and it will and Edward Solaire is going to be. Um, how much special teams work do they do as well? Yeah, and that's anytime you see a team invest a draft pick in a guy, there's a high likelihood they're going to be on the roster or at the very least on the uh, on the practice squad like Cornell Powell was last year. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, I, I mean, I, I do think, but I don't think they brought Jarek McKinnon back without the idea that he could help this roster. Right. Um, so... It'll be interesting. I mean, because, yeah, I mean, they're 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 going to somebody's not making the roster out of that group. I don't think you could get McKinnon on the practice squad, although, no. uh, you know, as a free agent and, and, and with the post covid rules, you do have some veteran exceptions. But I, I just don't see that happening, um, you know. So, I mean, if you have a practice squad candidate in there, it's probably Gore. Um, but again, he's got enough tape that if you, if you wave him with the idea of trying to get him on the practice squad, there's no guarantee that he clears waivers and gets to you, um, in that situation, but it'll be interesting. I, I think that the chiefs are in a good spot. Um, I mean, they've got certainly guys that you feel comfortable trotting out there on game days, and they've got multiple guys. You feel comfortable trotting out there on game days, three veterans in the mix who've done it in the league before, and some promising guys that are coming around. And in an age where the running back has been a little bit devalued in the NFL, um, you know, I, I, I think it'll be okay. I, I do think though, that there's a chance, um, you know, especially early in the season, if teams are going to continue to play the, the, the cover two shell and haven't adjusted to what the chiefs do at receiver or, or what, how the offense evolves, I think there's a chance you could see them run a little bit, uh, more early in the season. Um, because I think that the self-evaluation coming out of last year will, will tell them that that, um, that, that, that maybe they should have done that more in some of those situations last year to, to kind of help unlock the passing game. So um, it, it's always possible. They, they may need that. That depth may get tested early, especially if there's an injury. Yeah, I agree 100% that that's going to be part of what the Chiefs do early on to force teams out of some of the some of that that they were doing, like with the Bengals dropping you know dropping uh shoot i mean at this point felt like they almost dropped everybody in the coverage like 12 um, yeah <laughs> dropping 12 in the coverage yeah the legend has grown they dropped everybody into coverage um what now when they were doing three-man rushes for the most part and then bringing a spy at the end that you're wanting to see if teams are going to try that 
and that that gimmick in that regard and do zone coverage in that way. Um, then the Chiefs have to use a lot more crossing patterns underneath stuff. Let teams rally and tackle and run, you know, and, and run the ball and screen pass and things of that nature. Like those, those are going to be the things I think we're going to see early on is to try to combat what teams are doing. So unfortunately, those adjustments weren't made in the actual AFC Championship game for the most part. They they're going to be after the fact, and this roster construction kind of confirms part of them seeing the self scouting that you were talking about. So the, yeah, I think early on the Chiefs are going to have to run the ball a lot more just to force teams to be more honest with them. But also with Tyreek Hill gone, I mean, that's that's going to be another interesting factor to it of like, hey, he's gone now. So what, what you know, how are defense, defenses don't have to respect that speed deep anymore. So who has to establish themselves from a speed perspective to get teams to be fearful again? Yeah, and, and so let, let's move on and look at the, the wide receivers in the skill position because I think there are four guys who are locked to make this roster. Um, you could argue maybe some others, but McCole Hardman Jr., Sky Moore, Juju Smith-Schuster, and Marquez Valdez-Scantling, I think are locks to be four of the probably six, maybe seven receivers that that make the roster out of training camp. Um, and it's interesting, you know, because we talked about, you know, beating the, the shell and, and maybe needing to run some more underneath stuff, cross or stuff like that. You've got Sky Moore and you've got Juju Smith-Schuster. You've still got Travis Kelsey, who's obviously capable of working those intermediate routes. I think they've got some zone beaters uh, built in. The question then is, can Marquez Valdez-Scantling or uh, McCole Hardman emerge as legitimate deep threats on the outside with their speed? Um, do they even maybe you know, use Sky Moore outside in some situations? Or how do they use Juju Smith-Schuster? Will it be... Will he be used exclusively in the slot or do they see him being able to provide some help outside? He's not a burner, uh, but you know, he's a veteran guy and runs great routes. Um, so just, I mean, do you agree those four guys are locks? Is there anybody else you'd put in that mix as a, as a, as a lock to make the roster at the receiver spot for now? I, yeah. I mean, whenever I'm stacking the, when I'm stacking it up here, Juju Smith Schuster is definitely going to be a lock. Sky Moore is going to be a lock. Like you said, Marquez Valdez Scantling is going to be a lock, um, and then, like you said, McCole Hardman should shouldn't have any issue on the roster. He's going to be the most knowledgeable with the experience. Then, at that point, when you're starting to look at when you're looking at that next spot, I mean, this is kind of where the this is where the next wave comes with the unknowns between Josh Gordon, you know, Doris Fountain, Corey Coleman. Um, Justin Ross, depending, you know, what happens with his situation. But then a guy that I think is actually going to sneak in there. Justin Watson. I was, yes, Justin Watson's a guy that I think is going to sneak in there and kind of turn himself into a lock from like, from the impressive nature that he had at OTAs and minicamp and how high some people there in the organization are on him. Like Justin Watson's, he may be, he may be the, he may, everybody's talking about all, all of them, but Justin Watson's kind of the guy who may fly under the radar that teams aren't expecting to kind of give them part of that speed element back that they, that they'll be surprised by. Yeah. I, I mean, if I were a betting man right now and you're asking me who wide receiver five and six are going to be, I would put my money on Justin Watson and Josh Gordon. Gordon lost some weight. He looked good in camp. I know, obviously there's not, you know, there's not pads, you know, sometimes you're running routes on air. You're also, you know, guys aren't doing a lot of grabbing and stuff like that, but 
Justin Gordon, or sorry, Josh Gordon looks good. Um, Justin Watson's another veteran guy, underrated. Never quite was able to develop the connection with Tom Brady down in Tampa Bay. Um, you know, and the Chiefs signed him early, early, early um, to a reserve uh, contract. Um, I think back in January, um, and it was kind of an unheralded signing. But uh, both those guys, I think, you know, they they bring a veteran presence, and, and, and you know, the 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 one thing that and you kind of mentioned with running backs is going to be who who ends up filling the mark the the Demarcus Robinson and the Marcus Kemp roles as like gunners. Um, you know, if it's wide receivers, does that does that mean that the Chiefs keep a seventh guy, or does that make one of you know Gordon or Watson vulnerable if they can't? show value on special teams for a guy like a Doris fountain um, or, or somebody else in there. Um, you know, Corey Coleman had some bright moments in, in OTAs and mini camp as well, you know, but I think he's a long shot to make the roster. You know, what do they do with Justin Ross? I don't know. Um, especially if he shows well in preseason that you're going to be able to sneak him on the practice squad, um, you know, despite the medical history. Um, so I, I look, I, do the chiefs have a, you know, an elite top five wide receiver in the NFL on this roster? No. Do they have a lot of depth and a lot of quality veteran depth on this roster? And are they going to have a lot of options and are they going to be better at positions three, four, five, and six? Um, I think absolutely they will be, um, you know, when, when the season rolls around in September. Yeah, I agree to where I think the, I think the wide receiver group has the most balance it's going to have during Patrick Mahomes tenure. Cause I mean, for the most part, it, it was really, you know, it was initially Tyreek and Kelsey and it was Tyreek Kelsey and, and Sammy Watkins. And that was kind of where the balance was, but now you've got it to where in Aussie, I mean, if, if any of those years, they have one of these wide receivers, if not two of them, like that offense is in a whole different, a whole different stratosphere in terms of ability and what they would have been capable of. So the fact that they've collectively added more parts at that receiver position and, and different styles and different, um, different abilities that can complement one another and what they're trying to work on scheme wise. I think all that combined is going to be very intriguing for what this offense can do. And in some ways, maybe get get back to more of what a Andy Reid offense was before having the speed of Tyreek Hill be able to put fear in defenses. So I, I think it's going to be a little bit of an adjustment. And it's not saying Mahomes can't throw deep and can't go deep. It's just there. I think the Chiefs offense will be willing to do more of the paper cuts until teams give them back the explosive plays over the top. Yeah. And when you look at it, I mean, you know, Byron Pringle had 568 yards. Demarcus Robinson had 264 McCole Hardman had his best year with 693 yards. You know, they've got 160 targets, 111 catches, you know, 12, 1200, you know, 50 yards or so from Tyreek Hill to replace. But I don't think you're going to have a guy who gets 160 targets, hundred receptions and 1200 yards at the wide receiver spot on the roster. But you could have four guys that all get between 500 and 900 yards. Um, and that may be how, you know, I think they're going to make up the production by spreading the ball around as opposed to asking uh, MVS to suddenly become Tyreek Hill. But I, I don't think you need him to be when you've also got Sky Moore and, and 
and Juju Smith Schuster that can work the slot. You've still got McCole Hardman Jr. There. I, I don't, I mean, if, if Marquez Valdez Scantling has 700 to 800 yards, you know, 65 to 80 catches and, and a half dozen touchdowns. And then you also get more production from Juju Smith Schuster and Sky Moore than you got from Byron Pringle and Demarcus Robinson. I, I don't think the offense skips a beat. Um, I, I just, I'm not in the camp that I'm terrified that they're not going to be able to, to make up the production that, that Tyreek Hill brought to the team. I just, I, I think it'll look different, but I think at the end of the day, it'll be just as effective. And Andy Reid has a track record of making it work. So, yeah, like the key you said there is it, it, it's going to look different, but that's not a bad thing because at some point the Chiefs offense had to evolve. And this is right. going to be the evolution year. What, it, what ends up happening from it? And do they fall back a little bit or do they stumble or how they are? Those are the questions we've all been asking since the trade. And it's the things we're going to keep asking until they get the opportunity to go out and prove it week in and week out until the season's over. So, I mean, people will start to – if the Chiefs have good showings in preseason and then if the Chiefs have good showings for the first four or five weeks, then I think that's when people are going to kind of adjust accordingly to how the Chiefs are attacking, especially with that type of schedule early on in the year. So, you know, it's it, defenses don't aren't sure what the Chiefs are going to do. Defenses aren't sure what the Chiefs are going to look like. And so, I mean, the fir- the reality of it is if, if they can get in sync with Patrick Mahomes and they they have good chemistry early on there, you combine that with how, how well Andy does in the first nine weeks of putting a scheme together before defenses can adjust and catch up. And the Chiefs can be in a good, good position as long as there aren't injuries. They can be in a really good position with what this offense can do in both run and pass. And I think that the important point to, yeah, there may be games where a team wants to scheme to take away MVS and they still want to play that too high shell and take away, you know, the, the deep, the speed guys, the deep threats. Right. But there may be games where they're more worried about, you know, the slot guys and Travis Kelsey and, and controlling that area. And so there may be game, there may be less consistency, especially like if you're a fantasy football fan, right. And you're, trying to figure out which one of these guys to draft. They may not put up big numbers week after week after week reliably like you could get most of the time from Tyreek Hill. Um, but I think that they're going to be able to – I think they're just going to have more solutions on the roster this year to the way defenses um, change and evolve. I mean, last year they were, it was, look, we're riding with Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill, and, and that's any production we get from outside of that is, is gravy – um, and, and that was all they had. Defenses knew it. Some defenses were more successful than others at stopping it. I don't think that defenses are going to be able to do that. And I this year, and I think that even in game, even if a, even if deep, you know the, a, a defense comes out with something they weren't expecting, uh, and, and they're keying on one guy or another guy, I just think that the depth that they have at wide receiver is going to provide solutions on this roster that will allow them to quickly pivot adjust the game plan a little bit and still be able to, to move the ball and not have as many of those empty drives that they had last year, because I just think that, that by spreading the wealth, it's going to be harder for defenses to account for everyone on the field that can make plays at a given time. I don't disagree with you, Tom. That's all I can say about that. And you know, here's the interesting thing. One of the interesting things that came out of mini camp, um, you know, you talk about chemistry and being on the same page. A lot was made of the the four to six weeks that 
um, the skill guys, you know, the pass catchers and Patrick Mahomes spent down in Texas, um, you know, during off season, the off season, early off season program. But Patrick and, and, and some of the players, Clyde and, and guys like that, said they were getting back during this window here. So it breaks my heart a little bit that they're maybe not going to be, you know, um, enjoying you know, some of the exotic locales. But it sounds like a lot of them are going to be in Texas, continuing to build that chemistry, continuing to work toward, um, you know, the, the opener at Arizona, um, you know, during this time that a lot of guys are typically off. So I think the Chiefs sense the same thing that you do, that hitting the ground running, have, having that chemistry and, the, and building those relationships and bonds is going to be important to hitting the ground running if they want to win a seventh straight AFC West title. Um, and and sounds like the Chiefs are committed to doing that. Yeah, and I, I have to preface this part right now, Todd. That doesn't mean that the players didn't go to exotic locations because I, I have noticed on Patrick Mahomes' social media this week that he's somewhere near where there's an ocean and you would need a boat, or it looks like an ocean. Otherwise, it's the biggest lake I've ever seen that has very clear water. Um, and I, if I remember correctly, it looked like Juju Smith-Schuster. Or I mean, yeah, Juju Smith-Schuster is current or was in Hawaii recently this week. So some guys are taking advantage of that. So it wouldn't stun me if they're kind of, hey, let's all take a couple weeks, reset, enjoy the 4th of July and everything, and then they try to do a, a couple weeks of work together, a couple days of work together on consecutive weeks or something. And then they kind of rest their bodies up for a week or two before training camp begins like that, that, you know, that makes sense to me. If I'm, if I'm them kind of give yourself some weeks in between to heal up and kind of, you know, so you go in without any, uh, anything that potentially could, you know, if you pulled a hamstring or something during one of those workouts that you don't, you know, those don't linger when you're going into training camp type of thing. Yeah. The other skill position I want to talk about a little bit was, was tight end. Um, and, you know, we talked about for special teams purposes, is it possible they'll keep a, a seventh receiver on the roster? Well, I think part of that comes down to what they do at tight end, right? Um, last year, they kept four receivers or four, sorry, four tight ends. And the natural, you know, th that means that they didn't keep as many receivers. And so, I mean, you've got those four guys back this year. Travis Kelsey locked to make the roster. Blake Bell, um, I I he, I think he's the best blocking tight end they got on the roster. So I would say he's he's a lock to make the roster. Uh, they like Noah Gray, um, and they like Jody Fortson. Do you think they'll keep four tight ends again? And how much would an upset of an upset would it be if those if it's not those four guys I just mentioned? If somebody else were to work their way into that conversation? Yeah, this is one of the this is one of the position groups that I'm really intrigued. Once camp starts to kind of see if if Matt if Matt Bushman or Jordan Franks uh, or Mark Vital or Vital I'm not sure how it's pronounced at this point but I'm going to say both just in case um, I'm curious to see if any of those guys can can kind of upseed maybe a, a Jody Fortson or a Blake Bell because I think Kelsey and Noah Gray I think they're making the roster no matter what and I think Kelsey is going to have a heck of a week with tight end U going on. Um, so I'll be curious to see how after all the videos come out on that one, once that's all wrapped up and then I'm expecting to probably see Kelsey and Mahomes again at Lake Tahoe, which will be some point middle of July. Boy, I tell you what, if Mahomes, if Mahomes really wanted to have fun and have a bonding experience, he takes all the skilled guys that are coming to work out with them and they all go with him and Kelsey to Lake Tahoe. 
yeah. for that for that golf tournament. I think the guys have a lot of fun. They could be in the cheering section for, for Kelsey and them. I actually think I, I think that would be a really smart team bonding experience for those guys to potentially do all that together. That I mean, I don't know if they'd have enough room and logistics wise. I don't know what that would be, but I don't know. I think I think it'd be a good team bonding trip if they if they did something like that together collectively. But who knows what they all have going on family and schedule wise since it's kind of going to be their last, you know, month coming up here. It's less than a month now till, you know, till training camp arrivals for some unofficially. So, you know, that'll be, it'll be intriguing in itself. I mean, yeah, it's, I think a lot of it comes down to does Blake Bell still able, is Blake Bell still able to kind of be as dominant as he can be as a pass and run blocker? Cause if he is, then he takes a lot of those reps up for Kelsey to where Kelsey can either get off the field and kind of save him over the next couple of years on kind of like a pitch count in that regard or a snap count from an NFL perspective and kind of help increase his longevity by not putting him out there for every single snap of the game. And him also not having to block is going to be crucial going forward to keeping him on the field and available to really kind of end his Hall of Fame career really strong here and kind of help build those numbers up over the next handful of years. Because at this point, Kelsey, Kelsey still looks up to par, but you know with he him being present. 32 now, it's going to start to slowly decline over the next three to four years, and that's not his fault. So with, with that aspect of it, it it's, it's going to be where you're hoping Noah Gray can start to kind of develop into what they need long term. You're hoping Bell can take up some of those reps for Kelsey from a blocking perspective. You're hoping Juju Schmidt-Schuster can take over some of the over the middle stuff, so Kelsey doesn't get chipped as much as he, you know, as he did in that uh, couple of those New England games over the past handful of years. And then the question kind of becomes: Is Jody Fortson back up to who he was before? Because if he is, he gives you an additional threat you really want on that roster. Um, or is there another guy between the three that we talked about with? with Franks, Bushman, or or Vitell that can kind of potentially move into that role and kind of upseed Jody Fortson coming off the Achilles. So, I mean, how, how Fortson responds coming off the Achilles injury, that's going to determine to me if they keep the fourth tight end or if there's somebody that can kind of supplement that. But, yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be – I mean, we'll end up adding the numbers up before training camps. I'm sure you and I will do articles, but it'll be one of those aspects where, like, hey – how, how many – what's the max number they can keep at each spot? Can they keep seven at receiver? They got to keep six. Can they keep four running back or they have to keep, you know, or they have to keep three? Like, you know, and I'm not counting in Burton as the fullback. I always automatically count the fullback in because he's going to play special teams. So then if he's playing special teams and he's also blocking, do you need that fourth tight end? So it's just all those factors that I think are going to decide, you know, and, and the numbers that are going to come up is how many – the numbers that are going to decide a lot down the road here, and we'll talk about in the weeks ahead, is how many O-line do they keep? How many D-line do they keep? I think those are going to kind of determine what they can keep at some of the skill spots. Yeah, well, and I think who they keep in the secondary, too. I mean, they they invest a lot of draft picks there, and if they want to keep, you know, 10 corners or, or 10 defensive backs, then... Yeah, I was like, um, I don't think they're keeping 10 corners. <laughs> right, right. But if they want to keep 10 total defensive backs or, or if they've got needs on special teams that some of those guys fill, then you know, um, you know, that, that'll play a role too. I do think that Noah Gray's development as a blocker matters here. Um, if he, if he can emerge as, um, you know, a, a Kelsey light type player in the passing game, but also show 
some blocking chops um, that we haven't seen from guys on the roster other than Blake Bell, um, then maybe he is the the guy who takes up some of the reps. Because I will say, Jody Fordson looked fast, fluid. I mean, again, he's working on air. He's not actually blocking anybody out there at, at OTAs and minicamp. But Jody Fordson, to, to the naked eye, with the work that they could do without pads on, looked like he was back, be, back to being the same special athlete um, and explosive type player. So, I mean, I think Fortson, um, it would be an upset to me if Fortson doesn't make the roster, you know, and I mean, things could change by training camp injuries happen, but um, the other guy who stood, I mean, if you're, if you're basing it off the off season program, um, the guy to watch is Jordan Franks. Jordan Franks really flashed a lot of times um, more so than, than Matt Bushman and a lot more than Mark Vidal, who, who had uh, some struggles um, during mini camp and, and OTAs and stuff like that. So if you're looking for a guy who might be pushing uh, for that roster spot, I, I would say at this point coming out of what we've been able to see, that guy is Jordan Franks. But I still think anybody other than those four would be a huge upset. Well, as we've talked about on here in this podcast before, injuries happen. Things change rather quickly, and once the pads come on, that may change as well. So, But that gives us all something to look forward to, Todd, and that's all I can ask for. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I mean, look, we can, we can get into the, the O-line, D-line, uh, and then, uh, you know, the back end of the, on the defense some other time. Um, yeah, we do have other podcasts to fill. Right, right. No, we're gonna, we've got a lot of time to, to fill. I mean, we've got, like, I mean, it'll be July when we do the next podcast, but we've still got, like, you know, a month worth of podcasts to fill, so. Let's not let's not burn up all your knowledge right now. Yeah, I mean, we've only after this one, we've only got four more podcasts till camp is back in swing at that point. And then at, at that point, I think we should probably talk about camp. That would certainly be a great idea, Todd. I, uh, I like your style, I like your thought process on that. Thanks. I, I slept at a Holiday Inn last night. When? Last night. Why? I got kicked out. I don't believe you. <laughs> you shouldn't. <laughs> I, I don't because when I talked to you last night, I'm pretty sure you were out on your back porch because I heard your dogs. So. Right, and then corrupting my son with uh, inappropriate television. Todd is kidding right now. The television that his son was watching was age appropriate, and with the Todd's viewing references do not reflect the Nick Jacobs or the Fourth and One podcast. Well, I mean, you know, you know, I, Rick and Morty and Wilfred are on the summer. The summer. Uh, watch list so so is it is it like whenever is it like whenever i was in elementary school and they give you a, a list of books you could read for the summer for you it's a list of tv shows that kind of yeah that, that i can watch with summer that i can watch with my teenage son yeah yeah i mean you know some of them um you know he, he needs to have a certain knowledge base um and he needs to also not have a certain knowledge base to watch certain shows <laughs> Okay. Well, I mean, this is Todd's uh, journey with his son to help him remember his summer uh, vacations. So I, I want him to be a little bit corrupted, but not completely corrupted, right? Like, um, just tatter the edges a little bit, you know? <laughs> I don't know what Todd means by any of that, but I want to <laughs> say that this feels like a great stopping point for the <laughs> One podcast this week. All right. Well, that's fine. Um, you know, um, speaking of kids, take care, kids.